Welcome to Thursday Talk. Leadership Talk. Ministry Talk. Music Talk. Worship Talk. Join the talk. Let's go. Here is your host, Johnny Sierra. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to Thursday Talk. I am your host, Pastor Johnny Sierra. Really excited to have you guys on with us here today. I'm excited. We've been on a consecutive streak here. It's been probably, we're like on our fourth week in a row, which is great. We usually launch once a month, uh, but man, it's just been uh, great content, great topics, great people that we've had. Uh, and this week is no exception. Uh, and so if you're new with us, guys, what is Thursday Talk? Thursday Talk is just a collective collection of talks centered around Christ. It brings inspiration, information in the areas of worship, music, tech, biblical studies, tutorials, interviews, um, and just just straight word. And so uh, we, we air monthly, but we'll occasionally have a live session here and there. But again, like I said, we've been on a good streak you can find us on facebook.com backslash Genesis Church Orlando and as well youtube.com backslash Genesis Church Orlando. That's where the live feeds will happen. But you can find us on Thursday Talk Podcast on Spotify, Instagram, iTunes, uh, and all of those wonderful services. So uh, really excited to have you guys on here. I hope your summer is going well. I'm excited to, uh, like I said, continue on these conversations and uh, a couple months ago, and kind of where we're going here today, I got a very special guest with us today. Um, and a lot of these conversations, and we've, if you guys have been with us the last few episodes, we have been uh, talking through um, next-gen leader takeover. Uh, but the main topic behind that has been internship, in ministry, and how that gears. And I, I, I love where we're going to go today because uh, our special guest is going to really be able to uh, talk by experience on what that all looks like and really what has become for him. So uh, it's kind of like a really good uh, exclamation point uh, to this um, these conversations that we've had, a collection of talks the last few weeks. But a couple months ago, we interviewed Paul Richardson. Uh, and he's he was the, uh, I can't recall off the top of my head, but he was one of the pastors in Westridge. And he just sensed a call to Scotland uh, he came to Genesis Church Orlando a few months ago, and we were able to bless him uh, with a great gift uh, to support his ministry and really partner up and be alongside of him. That was our episode 20. So if you want to go follow that and check that out, episode 20 is where you can find our interview with Paul Richardson. And with that said, it seems like from that point on, a lot of what we've been gearing up for has been very mission-driven, very focused upon that. And so last week, we just freshly came back from a Bahamas trip. Um, and I don't say coming off a cruise of Bahamas. I'm saying missions trip Bahamas, right? In areas uh, that, you know, are really ha dealing with poverty, dealing with uh, lack of resources, uh, and just the lack of gospel. Uh, and so um, our people, we had 70 people go from Genesis Church Orlando uh, to be a part of that missions trip, and they were blessed uh, and a lot of them have tremendous stories. If you want to check us out, our past service, we have a full Bahamas recap on that. But this week, we're going to continue, and I really want to keep that theme going on missions. And 
And so I, uh, like I said, I have a very special guest with us that is, is living that life right now. And so um, without further ado, I just want to introduce you guys to Pastor James Lynch. Good to have you, brother, with us. Yeah, Good to be here with you. Yeah, man. It's, um, I feel like I've known you for a long time. And I only met you last Saturday. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I kind of felt that too. There's like a little kindred, kindred spirit between yeah. us when we met. I felt the same way. It's such a treat, man. Uh, we got to spend some time a little bit more yesterday uh, during lunch and really got to hear your story. It captivated all of us. Uh, I was like, I need to have him here immediately. Like in my head, I'm like, uh, but little did I know you'll be joining us this Sunday as well. So that's going to be fantastic. So that's kind of a sneak peek, guys. Be ready. Yeah, looking forward to that. Yeah. But tell us a little bit about yourself, James. Uh, just how, how just give us an intro on you and a little bio on yourself. Sure. Yeah. Um, born and raised in New York. Uh, that's where I grew up. Um, um, from there, um, moved around the country a bit. My dad's job, um, he was entrepreneur, businessman. So I lived in the Bay Area in California. Mm-hmm. North Carolina, uh, Virginia, Florida, back to New York. Um, ended up at Liberty University, which I know uh, Genesis people are familiar with. Yeah, considering two of the two of the pastors on staff graduated from there as well. So I'm a Liberty guy. Um, I graduated from there, and um, just I guess we'll go into this a little bit later. But anyway, uh, studied pastoral ministry, biblical mm-hmm. studies. Went to seminary there as well. Met my wife there. Nice. Um, you got the whole package, bro. I know everything there. Yeah, I got a degree. <laughs> got a degree and a girl. Uh, <laughs> all there. That's awesome. And um, and then, yeah, anyway, long story short, uh, been involved in church planting ever since mm-hmm. uh, Liberty Time. Uh, helped plant a church in North Carolina. And then after doing that for three years, I uh, have now been living in Korea for the wow. last eight years, pastoring, uh, planting churches. Um, like I said, uh, married. My wife is a, a middle school history teacher over there. Nice. She's been doing that since we've been over there. Um, I have a son as well named Elijah. He's four and a half years old. And yeah, that gives me, uh, keeps me young. That's so, awesome. I want to yeah. talk a little bit about him too. He's got some sure. really cool stories. Yeah, funny yeah. Ones. <laughs> uh, how has, you know, you came back here a few weeks back, uh, yep. perfect timing. Um, your parents uh, were... Uh, were prayed for over to be a part of our elder board here at Genesis Church, mm. uh, which was, I mean, we are blessed to have them, uh, as you've heard all, countless times. Yep, yep. Um, but, and it was perfect timing to have you be a part of that. Um, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, man. And so, like, just how, su- how has summer been for you, you know, post-COVID, so to sense, for you guys? Sure. And then now, you know, being here and stuff, how's that been? Yeah, um, it was it was long overdue um, to get a little sabbatical. Um, you know, we've been we've been stuck. I'll say the, I use the word stuck uh, over in Korea for the last you know, two and a half years. Um, it's not a, a firm lockdown, but essentially, if you choose to leave the country, um, there's mandatory at least two week quarantine wow. when you enter back in the country. Um, I had to do that one time. And I, I never want to do it again. Mm, so, wow. um, so we've been sort of stuck over there, and um, it's it's been it's been stressful, it's been burdensome, it's been a, a really difficult ministry season uh, for the last whatever it's been two years and four months, something like that. Yeah. Just the cir- circumstance over there is just much different than it's been for you guys over here. But um, 
it was it was time and so um the lord really just you know opened up the doors um we we knew no matter what we were going to be here this summer um my dad is celebrating his 80th birthday um and so there's there's some transition that we want to be a part of as well and then book those plane tickets and literally the week before um we came over here the South Korean government announced that they were opening up the country um, in terms of vaccines, in terms of quarantines, all that they got rid of. Um, And so it was just really perfect timing um, that, you know, we needed to be here. We wanted to be here. Um, And in some ways I feel like the Lord knew that. And so he opened the doors for us to be able to be here this summer. So to be there for um, my dad and um, um, for his, not only just his birthday, but also like you said, his ordination at, at Genesis and coming on the elder team. So it's been a real blessing to be here um, just in the short time. Um, yeah, needed that refreshment. Of course, you know, for right, sure. when you're in for ministry, sure. you uh, you know, it's it's not just the physically demanding. It's emotionally demanding, yeah. mentally demanding, of course, spiritually demanding. That's the biggest one. Yeah. Um, and so you need those seasons of refreshment. So, yeah, really happy to be here. Yeah. yeah. Have you done the the whole Disney thing? Have you done any of the parks uh, with, with uh, your time here? Or no, Nothing. Not yet? Uh, I've been avoiding it a little bit, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, just the crowds and everything like that. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. Seoul is such a big city uh, where where I live. I'm, you know, yeah, 10 million. Um, kind of want to break away from all Just kind of get away from the crowds. So it's I've been hunting the, the beaches down a little bit more than, than, That's d- awesome. than Disney. Yeah. And you've been uh, you've you've come you, you've come and go in Florida. So you're, you're very acclimated. You understand the yeah. culture out here. So. Yeah. Yeah. Florida's home. It's, yeah. it's base in some ways, permanent residency, I guess they would call it is here. My parents have been here for 17 years. Okay. They were the typical New Yorkers who, yeah. you know, yeah. worked up there. And then when they got old, <laughs> they're like, we're moving down to Florida. Typical, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, this has been base. So every time come back to the States, um, kind of set up, home here yeah temporary home here and then um we'll go back and we'll do that in the middle of july that's awesome man and you know talking about your parents uh you know they were um put on our elder board here uh recently and um i just i it was special moment see you there as well um talk to us a little bit about just kind of how important of a role your parents really played when it came to you uh in your call in ministry um, and, and your whole pursuit towards that? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, the Bible is really clear. Scriptures are clear uh, that you train up a child in the way that they that you want them to go, mm. and they won't depart from it. And, you know, not knowing that as a kid, but being able to um, now see that truth come to fruition, mm. um, it really challenges me in terms of being a father as well, that um, what we do in our homes, how we live, um, what we uh, put forth in front of our kids, they will imitate. Mm. Um, And those things, a lot of times, will become their core set of values. Um, And so as a young kid, um, you know, even a toddler, that was just a way of, you know, things in my home. Um, if music was on, um, because of my mom, it was worship. Mm. Um, it's just the music I grew up listening to. Um, if you know, Sunday rolled in around Sunday morning, we were going to be at church, yeah. um, Sunday night rolled around. We were going to be at church. You know, there's prayer meetings on Friday. My parents were going to be 
you know, at church. And, um, you know, we all go through that, like middle school, yeah. high school phase, all that, you know, oh, I don't want to do this or, you know, like, oh, don't make me go. Why do we have to always go? <laughs> um, I was definitely in that camp, but um, I can see how those values uh, really did have a, a lasting impact on my on my life. And I can say for for certain that, um, you know, the gospel and um, the reality of, of who Jesus is was imprinted on me mm. um, from the from the day that I was I was born. You know, my parents dedicated me back to to the Lord um, and said that, you know, I'm, I'm his for mm. however he wants to use me. Um, and, and that certainly, um, has been the case and sort of the, the calling on my, my life, um, all that coming sort of full circle when I was yeah. 19 years old. So, yeah, so I definitely would not be in Korea, um, without my parents, um, their, their guidance and their direction, but also their support in that as well. Mm. Um, you know, I think it's not easy, uh, for uh, parents, I think to, to hear that they're, their child is going to move on the other side of the world mm. as a sacrifice for them. But at the same time, um, I knew they understood. Yeah. Um, because ultimately, um, you know, we have a higher calling and a higher mission, right? Yeah. And, and being like-minded in that and having that same perspective um, allows me sort of the freedom uh, or allowed me initially the freedom to feel like this is something that I could walk into um, where I know a lot of people don't have that I guess I'll say that honor, that privilege, if they're going against the way of their parents. But for me, it was just in line of, you know, what my parents have believed and yeah. what they taught me. So yeah, that's awesome, man. And you're you're the youngest of five. The youngest of five. So usually, yeah. you know, typically yeah. the youngest is Goes the astray. rebel. Is yeah, yeah. That's so true. I mean, it it's just a uh, and, and and it doesn't fall in any order for many. You know, it's not set on stone like that, but. You know, typically from what you hear is that the, the youngest just seems to just slip away and go do their own thing. They're tired of seeing, you know, that through their siblings or just yep. all of that. And so to see, I mean, you, I, I would say, really set the bar mm. for a lot of your family. Mm. Um, it's, it's incredible. And yeah. So, yeah, I definitely had those uh, those slip years. Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. between. Um, but um Again, ultimately, even there was about a five or six year gap or in my teenage years where I wanted nothing to do mm. with with God and, and the gospel. A lot of uh, a bitterness and resentment and yeah. um, there for a lot of different reasons. Um, but again, um, I always in the end, you know, when when times got really hard and ultimately when I, I can say it this way, came to the end of myself mm. in that moment of desperation, you know, ultimately fell back on what I knew. Mm. right fell back on that foundation uh that was laid out for me wow. as a kid there was there was a again a permanency that was set there um a, as a child and so yeah uh i guess my siblings my parents would tell you i was the rebellious one <laughs> of all the kids but thankfully god was gracious the most and, headaches uh, yeah that's exactly right that's exactly right <laughs> so uh you know going back to just the call of missions, uh, you know, before we even go to that, man, just when did you begin to sense a call just in ministry in general? Like, when did you start to sense that in your life? Yeah, that's a great, that's great. Um, part of that, I actually like ties into my testimony. 
Um, and so I was in a really, really difficult place in my life personally when I was 18. Mm. Um, again, like I said, had, had just made the decision to walk away from the Lord, really needed a reset. So my family was in New York. I made a decision when I was 18 to move to California. Um, I wanted on, to on your own? There on my own. Wow. Um, and sort of um, start life over, if you will. And, um, you know, just through, um, you know, that year specifically, just trying to find myself, just trying to find purpose, meaning uh, for my life. And um, just one, one evening, um, God just sort of radically you know, intervened, I'll say it that way. And, um, from that moment, um, I basically just sort of didn't know what to do. Um, but sort of did the whole thing, you know, look up at my ceiling. That's where God is, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. Open, open the word of God. Um, and it was just like, Hey, I need you. Like if you're real, you gotta, you gotta show me, you gotta prove it to me. Uh, brought me to Matthew chapter six at that time. Um, that was a random opening of the scriptures, not really random. Um, and he just, you know, there it's, you know, be anxious for nothing, you know, seek his kingdom, everything else will be given to you. And I had gone through a, a pretty, pretty deep and dark season of anxiety and depression, um, struggled with that since I was in elementary school. And, um, and that tied into them looking for meaning and purpose and all that. And, um, I don't know if I, this is something that, you know, you would teach to repeat to people, but I basically just said, Hey God, you know, look, um, I'm at the end of myself. Um, I'll make you a deal. I remember actually saying that as a 19 year old kid. Um, if this is true, um, and you promise, uh, to, uh, you know, take away my anxiety and my depression. If you are the P this peace, I promise I'll do what this says. I'll seek your kingdom, um, above all else. And, went to sleep that evening. And, um, the only way I can just say it is just this supernatural, this divine, um, presence of God and the Holy spirit over me. Um, that, that morning when I woke up, I knew that he had come through. Um, and so, um, from right there and then it was just like, okay, uh, I'm going to seek your kingdom first. I'm going to follow you, um, wherever you want me to go. Um, and at that time I didn't know, that had anything to do with full-time ministry or missions. Um, that actually came when, um, I went to Liberty. So I was enrolled at a community college and needed to figure out where to go next. Um, my plan was to stay in California. Um, I was looking at UC San Diego, UC Santa Barbara, uh, maybe the, um, uh, UC Berkeley, um, mm. business school. That's what I wanted to do. Something with sports and business, maybe management, something like that. Uh, but again, felt like God, um, it's a really long story, so I won't get into it, but ended up at Liberty university randomly. Wow. And, um, it was the first month there is my junior year. Um, there was an evangelist who came named Clayton King and he came and he preached a sermon on breaking chains, strongholds in your life. And it was ultimately a call to salvation at the end. And I'll never forget a stadium full of students. It was like 8,000 of us in a basketball stadium and hundreds of kids were going up to receive the gospel. All of this was really fresh, you know, and new to me. Um, cause I, again, like I said, I've been away from the Lord for several years. And at the end of that sermon, he starts walking off the stage. Um, and he stopped and came back and uh, I'll never forget these words. He says, you know, I normally don't do this, but as I was walking off the stage, 
I felt like God stopped me and tell me that there's someone here amongst all these thousands of students that God is calling into full-time ministry. So if that's you, come on, come down. And I remember then that time I was by myself in this stadium full of people trying to learn what it looked like to be at a Christian university and even just follow Jesus. Um, And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And I remember saying to myself in my head, I wonder who that is looking around. And it was in that moment that, again, I felt God's spirit just say to me, hey, it's you. Get up. Um, You told you made a deal with me that you'd seek my kingdom first. Um, And you thought that mean just follow. I meant that full time. Wow. And so I remember um, standing up and walking down the steps of the basketball stadium and having this argument with the Lord. (laughs) This can't be me. I can't do this. Like, I don't know, you know, anything in the Bible, me, a pastor, full-time ministry. And before you know it, I was in the front of the front of everybody being prayed for. And, um, the next day having to go into the Dean, change my major, get signed out of all my classes. Thankfully I was at Liberty, um, which is very pro, you know, calling into ministry. So they just took all my credits did their best to transfer them over so that I could start into the biblical studies program wow. um, and just went from there. And so that call was sort of radical um, in that um, it was more than I expected. Mm. I expected just to follow. And none of us are just followers, right? We're all called as ministers of the gospel. Yeah. We're all his ambassadors. Um, that's what I expected. But to say, no, you're going to, you're going to lead other ambassadors. Wow. Um, you're going to preach the gospel with your life. Um, that was only him. That was wow. not my plan, not my desire. Yeah. I always tell people, you know, there's there's two general calls into ministry. There's a, a an Abrahamic call and there's a Mosaic call. You know, Abraham is told to get up and go, mm-hmm. and he willingly goes. Um, he, he takes his family, packs everything up, and he goes. Moses is called and Moses resists. Mm. Lord, I can't do this. Um, I don't want to do this. I have a problem with my speech. And God's like, no, no, you're, you're going. Mm. He's almost forced into the calling, if you will. There's a resistance. Yeah. Um, I was more than Moses. Um, <laughs> I wasn't like, a, oh, yeah, I was raised as a kid. And, you here know, my I dad am, was send a, me. My dad's a, yeah, here I am, <laughs> send me. My dad is a pastor, so I'm going to be a pastor. Yeah. It wasn't that way. It was. I, there's no way I can do this. Mm. Like, this is not my, it's not my heart. It's not my desire. I don't even know. Um, you know, you, you could have told me fake names of all the minor prophets. I would have had a clue. <laughs> um, that's how far along I was yeah. spiritually. And so it was only God. Wow. Only God. That's, that's incredible, man. And, and so you obviously, you, you said you changed your major, you started to get yourself acclimated with that gain knowledge and wisdom through scripture yeah. Worked your way to seminary. Yeah. Uh, when did missions come to play? Like when did that, that, cause the, I, that's kind of another call within itself. It's like how did that like begin for you? So now you're like ministry cool. That's going to be probably in the States. Awesome. Like, all right, yep. I'm thinking through that, trying to plan all that out. And here you are. God is like, no, mm. it's going to be in another country. Yeah. 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 It's interesting because, um, so when I was, I said I'd moved to California by myself, um, when I was 18, um, one of the families that I was, that was helping me when I was there, um, the husband was, was Navy. 
um, Caucasian American. The wife was Chinese, um, whose family had immigrated um, into into the country, and so she was a first generation um, Chinese, and she was uh, a prayer warrior. I was living with that family; they were helping me get on my feet for about six months, um, and. Uh, every morning when I woke up and, and, I, and I went out into the living room or went to the kitchen to grab cereal, whatever, get ready for school, um, she was always in this prayer corner mm. praying. And every time I would walk by her, she would stop. Seriously, every morning, not exaggerating, every morning she'd turn around and let me know that she's praying for me. And one, um, one morning specifically, um, I was getting ready. Was in the kitchen. She actually stopped what she was doing, walked over to me, and um, she's just spoken to my life. She said, "Someday, she's like, you're not following the Lord now, but someday, not only going to follow Him, but God's going to send you to Asia." And I was really upset with her, to be honest. Uh, I was like, "Mrs. Morehouse, like, come on, like, leave me alone." Like, we were we were kind of cool, you know. She was she was a cool lady, Um, like what are you talking about? I don't even, I don't want anything to do, you know, with, with church or, you know, Jesus, anything. And she says, I'm telling you, God someday is going to call you to Asia. And so even before, even before God had, and the spirit had really intervened in my life, there were people speaking into my life. I mean, my parents were, were consistently praying Mm -hmm. for me, but God just had sort of supernaturally place these people in my life that served as mile markers for me Mm. um that now again in the moment i had no idea what he was doing but now i can look back and say Mm. wow he was with me all along that he had a plan and purpose for me from the very very beginning like he was writing my story Mm. um when i didn't even see it right and so that was written that that word was really written on my heart a little bit but even you're right at the same time um, you know, that calling into ministry wasn't like, well, it's Asia. Yeah. Um, it actually just, it sort of, again, happened by chance. It was one of those mile marker things. I was in seminary, um, and Liberty University has a pretty large, it's very diverse there, many nations represented, but it has a very large populations of Koreans, a uh, mm-hmm. large population of Korean students. And so um, for me, just being an outgoing person and like to meet people and understand culture and eat different foods, all that. I, that's, that's who I am as well. But I just want to know more about their culture, mm. more about them. And, and just um, sort of through building some friendships there, just started to, to feel, um, uh, grow a love for, for the people, mm. um, even before the country itself. Never even visited Asia before, but just in Virginia, starting to fall in love with these people, their culture, and just the way that they um, approach and see life. And, um, and and so God started to sort of put this burden and desire uh, to, to be with them and to, to help them. And so, um, and then the tipping point for me was just uh, hearing uh, the current, this is 10, 10 plus years ago now, 10, 12 years ago, just hearing the current, about the current state of Christianity in Korea. Mm-hmm that they were losing the young generation, that um, churches weren't being planted, that um, there was a severe decline um, in Christianity where people under 35 years old, uh, less than 3% uh, 
um, claim to be, you know, evangelical or would, would participate in any sort of Christian activity at all. And so for me, again, it was just that heart of, wow, there's a need. And so at that point, that's when the Isaiah, here I am. Okay. Send Mm. me, I'm willing to go. If that's what you want me to do, Lord, um, I'll go. And so, um, and so again, Asia was sort of part of the story, even before I knew it. Um, but Korea became part of the equation mm. just because of personal interactions with people um, in, in, at Liberty, right? And so mm. I guess God has a way of doing that, right? He can bring people from different cultures and different walks of life, and that really can just shape you yeah. know, who we are and, 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 and what we care about and what we value. And so, like I said, again, it's just, you know, we can all do this. But yeah. when I look back at my life, I can see, you know, um, all the ways that he was intervening and, and working when I didn't even see it or even think he was there. You know, he was there the yeah, whole time. That's amazing, man. Tell us about Korea. I mean, yeah. you get out of the plane, you're in Korea. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just you're in Seoul. Yep. Yep. I'm in the capital city. Okay. And there's roughly 25 million, you were telling us? Yeah, so 10, million people, 10 million people in the in the inner city itself, mm. and then 25 million in the, in the outer reaches. And so it is one of the, I don't know how many there are now, six or seven, they call them megaopolises wow. in the world, over 25 million. I think L- New York's in that category, maybe Mexico City, mm. um, Korea's, Seoul's in that, Tokyo's in that. There's a few of them, but yeah, yeah we have a, a lot of people. Half of the population of South Korea live in and around Seoul. There's 52 million people in South Korea. 25 million of those people live in and around Seoul. Wow. So it's a big city. Wow, wow. Big city. So navigating and uh, talk to us a little bit about just the culture differences. You're yeah. coming... You're coming from the U.S. Where were you at the to Virginia? Did you leave from Virginia right to South Korea? I was in Raleigh, Korea, North, Carolina, North Carolina, actually. Yeah, okay. I was there for three years. But and yeah, and from you there get there, over yeah. there from North Carolina. How was it for you? Like, just adjustments, all that. Like, that. Yeah. that's a huge That's a huge adjustment in your life. Huge adjustment. Um, so many things um, that I could talk about in terms of cultural differences. The first thing that you'll, you would notice if you, if you went to Korea is that um, it's not diverse at all um you know that's one of the the beauties of america right is you know even you know stepping into genesis or coming and looking at your pastoral staff there's a diversity yeah right that represents the city and um there's so many different cultures um that are represented in a lot of at least the bigger cities in america in korea uh, korea is somewhere around like 98.2 percent korean and mm. so you get off the, the plane and everyone has, you know, uh, fair-ish skin, uh, dark brown eyes and dark either uh, black hair or very, very dark brown hair. Everyone, unless it's dyed, you know, that's the young K-pop generation. <laughs> you know, they all, they're trying to be a little bit more, you know, give, perfect, give some diversity. Yeah. Um, but, but they all look not the same, but they all have a similar look to them because yeah. one people, it's one culture. And so um, that alone is you really stand out mm. um, like in a crowd, even though there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people on the streets, you walking down the street, if you're not Korean, 
you know, it's like a where's Waldo thing. Like you, <laughs> you stand out. Wow. Um, and, wow. and so, um, me being, you know, Caucasian American white guy and taller as well, yeah. I'm tall over there. And so, you know, the average guy over there is, you know, much shorter than me. And so I'm above the crowd and don't look <laughs> like them. And so there's a lot of looks and yeah. you sort of feel like, uh, you get a little glimpse of maybe like, like a celebrity would go through, right? Mm. You're looking, everyone stops and stares and looks. And so that was a big cultural difference. Um, but in terms of like the heart of people, of course, you know, we're all the same. Yeah. Um, you know, we all have, you know, we're all created with a sinful nature and, you know, we're all over, uh, looking for, you know, your power and prestige and finding purpose. We're all that way. But the, I think the biggest cultural difference that takes a, just a lot of time to get through is America is very individualistic. Um, what we believe is best, um, especially the younger generation, is whatever is best for me. Mm. And so um, I do whatever I believe makes me happy, right? That's, that's the, you know, my truth is my truth. And you can have your truth, and that's your truth, and that's okay, right? Um, we celebrate diversity, not just of culture, but of opinion, mm. right? That's, that's, America is a melting pot that way. Korea um, is the opposite. It is a collective culture. And so what is good is not what's good for the individual, but what is good for the whole. Mm. And so they think very holistically. And so um, you actually don't want to be an individual. You don't want to stand out. So if your friends are drinking Starbucks coffee and holding a Starbucks cup, you want to hold a Starbucks mm. cup and drink Starbucks coffee as opposed to, you know, more American culture is I want to, you know, I might want to find my own little cafe that's sort yeah. of new and trendy and no one's wearing this or, um, Hey, these people are wearing these kind of shoes, right? Mm. And if my buddy is wearing those shoes, I don't want to wear those shoes. Whereas, um, in Korea, it's cool for everyone to wear the same shoes. Wow. In the winter, it's cool for everyone. They call it long padding, but it's every, it's cool for everyone to wear, uh, these long, long jackets, they almost look like, um, swimmer, uh, what are they called? I forget like a parkas, mm. but, and, and the color is black. So you don't want to wear like bright color or anything just cause that would make you stand out as an individual. Gotcha. You want to fit in. Yeah. You want to be sort of, again, just you're part of this entity for the betterment of the country. Wow. Whereas we're very individualistic. And so, um, the reason that's important is because it determines how we share the gospel mm. and how we approach the gospel. It's the same message, right? It's the same, same truth, but it's nuanced because the culture is so different. So over there, like if you can get the, if you can get the, the, the husband, for example, you will likely get the family. Wow. If you get the wife, you'll likely get the children, right? It, because it is very, very holistic and, 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 and much more communal. And so it's, um, it's similar to Jewish culture a little bit, mm. right? You, you read in Acts, for example, you know, Peter, um, you know, shares the gospel with Cornelius. It says in Cornelius and his, his family, family were yeah. baptized, right? Yeah. Um, it's much similar to that there. Wow. There is a pull um, for the younger generation. They want to be more westernized. Um, they think that that's cool, you know, entertainment, movies. So they look music. up to us. They do. They do. They look really highly yeah. upon, you know, American culture and, um, you know, we're leading the world in so many things to them that they mm -hmm. want to imitate. 
um, especially like speaking English, for example, most of the young generation there can speak English or at least comprehend it. Um, but still, right, that value of mm. what is best is not what is best for me. It's what is best for the whole. And that takes a long time to get mm. used to. Um, I mean, still, I feel like we've been, my family's been there for eight years. And I feel like still, um, I continue to find myself being confronted you know, with that reality that I want to make choices for me. Um, but they just cannot comprehend how could you ever do that, mm. right? That, why wow. would you just... It's ingrained in it's them. It's ingrained in them, right? Yeah. And if you think about it, right, um, it is selfishness, right? It is self-centeredness. Um, but for us, it's just a norm, Wow. right? And so it's taught me things not only about Korean culture, learning Korean culture, but it's also sort of put a mirror in front of me mm. and American culture to be like, wow, there are, there are things here that I was doing and the way I was living, the way I was thinking that I didn't see until I actually stepped out of the culture and learned something new. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. This, I know there's so much to, that we could break down on just different differences and, and, and the way they approach certain things as opposed mm. to us. But when you went there, you, you told us a fascinating story about um, acquiring the building that you did. Mm. Right. And yeah. so talk to us like how you began and then just how it transitioned into gather, you know, the, the getting the, the actual building that you have. Yeah. 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 So went over there and the heart was church planting. Um, and so the message was uh, from the very beginning, God's heart is for multiplication from the very, very beginning. Genesis one, God tells Adam and Eve in the garden, be fruitful. And the word is multiply. Yeah. Um, multiply yourself and of course at that time you know the covenant and the mandate is physical right you have a lot of children right um we're gonna and then he makes a nation of those people of course we get to um we get to the new testament and a new covenant comes into place and jesus at the end of matthew 28 he gives us the parameters or the calling of that new covenant he says right go therefore, and make disciples of the nations, right? And baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you, right? Teach them all the things that I've taught you. And so you see there that that heart of multiplication, again, mm. is there in that covenant, but now it's moved from physical to spiritual. Mm. And so we no longer live under the old covenant. Um, have family, celebrate, get married. Those are great blessings from the Lord. Have children, but we aren't under that mandate anymore um, to to, you know, to make a new na a nation, a physical people, right? It's a spiritual people now mm. from all over. There's no longer Jew, Gentile, right? Male, yeah. female, right? Yeah. Slave, free, right? We, we all are under this new covenant um, because of the, the imparting of the Holy Spirit. That's what unifies us now. So not the, the, our, our physical blood, but the blood of Christ, right? That covers us. That's what unifies us now. And so the message going there was, again, multiply. Multiply yourself individually multiply at a group level. Um, so let's just call it a small group or a cell group, life group, whatever you want to call them, multiply there and multiply churches. That was the message. And we felt like the best way to do that strategically was through houses and cafes. Mm. And so just the, the nature of soul, um, you know, with expenses, real estate, the amount of people, um, just strategically, um, it seemed best to do it through that avenue. And so we started down that path and what's so ironic, Johnny, is um, 
one of the things that we were sort of confronting about Korean culture, especially Korean Christian culture, was, you know, going there with this message that the church is not a building, that the church is a people. I think a lot of Americans need to hear that, by the way, as mm. well, right? It's ingrained in our culture to believe or to, to treat the building itself as a church, right? And that's in our theology. Um, on a Sunday evening, if you're talking to your friend and, you at, and your friend asks you, what did you do this morning? Most Western or Christian, Christianized Americans would say, well, I went to church this morning. Mm. But the church isn't a place you go. It's a people. Um, if you were to take that, you know, that brick building with the white steeple and the cross and you were to put coffee machines in there, right? What would it be? It'd be a coffee shop. The reason it's a church is because the people of God are inside of it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. we went there with this message of you don't go to church. You are the church, Mm -hmm. right? The church is people. So go be the church, which is by the way, our message. So at Genesis, at the end of your service, you say grace and peace. Mm -hmm. At the end of every single one of our services or gatherings, we say, go be the church, right? So there's that theology and part of that message that leave this place, go be the hands and feet of Jesus. And so going there with that message, I wouldn't say we're Mm anti-building, but we are definitely, the church is not a building. That's the message. And um, sort of amazing how God works. Um, we had outgrown, uh, we had planted three churches in the first two years. Wow. And which is just an incredible favor um, from God and just all his work. And, um, and we were, uh, the, the gathering that I was specifically, you know, I guess shepherding um, or, or teaching at, it started to, to grow. Um, we outgrew a house. We outgrew our, our first space that we were borrowing. And um, it's interesting we were looking to do a, a baptism service. And one of the things you need to know about, you know, South Korea is that the majority of the Christians there, the churches there are Presbyterian. And so um, the way that they approach baptism is through sprinkling, right? And so, um, but we were looking for a church with a baptismal that we could immerse. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big river there called the Han River, but you don't want to, you don't want to put a toe in that water. <laughs> oh, okay. Gosh. You don't, you don't. Uh, we could tell stories off yeah. air of why, but, uh, but it has to do with Korean wartime and mm. not good. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so there's not, there's just not bodies of water like that. And so I'm like, where are we going to find a baptismal take? And a, and, a, and a friend of mine was like, Hey, there's a church, um, you know, down the road that has some, some history in Korea. I think they'd let you use it. And so, um, we approached that church, Seoul International Baptist Church. And um, just ask them, hey, we we looking to do we're looking to do baptism services two three times a year. Um, you know, God's really moving, and uh, in this way, people are coming to Christ, and you know, we just need help. And so, they graciously uh, partnered with us, let us do that, um, and we just started to build a relationship with the, those people, uh, trying to reach the exact same neighborhood. We were just down the street from each other, and so um, we actually asked them, can we can we use your facility? Um, in the afternoons um, to worship, to do our Sunday gathering. And so they said yes. And long story short, about a year of that was was happening. Um, there were some ways that we were partnering with each other. Myself and the lead pastor of that church um, actually even did a missions trip together. Mm-hmm. Um, we went to um, sort of the outreaches of India together. And so there was already some partnership happening. And then one um, one afternoon, 
he he called me, asked me if um, I could go meet him for coffee. And so I did. And he said, hey, I feel like um, I feel like the Lord is calling my family. They've been there for about 15 years um, serving the Lord. I feel like my my family is calling us back to America um, to go live in America and just observing your guys' ministry, heart for church planning and multiplication. Um, I want to know if you'd be interested in merging the two churches together, but then also overseeing our church um, down in the south, which is about an hour, hour south, another campus location. Wow. So we prayed about that um, for about three, four months, and, and it was clear that the Lord was leading in that direction. Um, and after we agreed, um, I guess the cherry on top of all that was um, um, the, the news that we were also going to be gifted a, a, a building, a property, um, which yes. was um, huge. Um, it's so rare um, for a church to have their own space, especially uh, uh, for, for a foreigner. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I was telling you guys yesterday at lunch, um, we're the only English-speaking gathering. Um, I'm the only foreign pastor in the entire country of Korea um, that has that we our gathering has their own building and we also own the land. There's no mortgage, wow. nothing. And so a lot of my, my pastor friends, they joke with me um, at the time, especially they're saying, you know, you're the guy who moved here and you're saying the church is not a building, the church is not a building, the church is not a place, like go be the church. And then God hands you a building. <laughs> and, and I always tell them back joking. I said, well, that's because he knew he knew he could trust me with it. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't treat this true. place like a church. I yeah. just treated as a place to facilitate ministry and to train disciples. And, and that's hopefully what we're doing. And so, um, just, you know, God's just been really good. Um, that actually took place. What I didn't tell you guys yesterday is that, uh, gift happened one month before COVID. Wow. And so, um, if if that didn't happen, um, we would have been uh, in a lot of trouble because the Korean government had basically closed churches during COVID um, you couldn't meet in, there's no movie theaters, there's no, no cafes, you couldn't do church at home, nothing like that. And so everything would have had to been done online or through something like Zoom. But because we owned the land and the property, the government couldn't intervene oh on gosh. that space. That's amazing. And so a month before <laughs> we were gifted the space and then we could worship there. Wow. And actually what we ended up doing, just saying, you know, you know, the message, right, from the very beginning, even with Abraham, you're blessed to be a blessing, right? Mm. That's the message, right? You're not blessed to keep it for yourself. You're blessed to be a blessing. And so we just felt so blessed that we just said, okay, how can we be a blessing and started using that space for other churches? So we actually housed five different churches besides our own during the pandemic. So we had six churches um, we had church meeting on the third floor, one meeting on the you know second floor room, one meeting on the first floor, different time slots. Wow. Um, just to say, yeah, the, the name on the sign yeah. says Freedom Village. Um, but ultimately, right, this is, again, it's just a building, yeah. right? And it's just a building. And we've been blessed with it. And so, um, yeah, we just, all these cafe churches or house yeah. churches. Um, we had one church, a good friend of mine, his church was meeting in a hotel. Um, and the hotel kicked them out during it. And so we just, hey use our space. That's and amazing. So we a lot of churches to, here were doing that too. Yeah. It was, we were able to, you know, some, some churches were helping facilitate equipment and different things for others, other, other churches to help them do with live stream and all that sure. other stuff. And so that was a, a crazy time, but look at how much of a blessing, man, you were to, to many people. Yeah. It's just an opportunity, right? We're just yeah. trying to be, trying to be faithful with what the Lord gives you. 
you know, if, as he says, right, he gives you a little, right? yeah. be faithful to that. He'll trust yeah. you with a lot. I feel like, you know, being there for, you know, five years, five and a half, six years, um, just faithful in the little, yeah. you know, we had, you know, just smaller house churches, um, just building relationships, yeah. trying to, trying to uh, gain a godly reputation in our city. Um, and the, and the Lord was gracious yeah. to look favorably upon that and, and so um, good. meet a huge need that we had. So how many campuses now and, and, and just total amount of just people that are gathering with you guys? Yeah. So we have, um, all of our church plants are autonomous. So they have their own leadership team, their own, um, their own finances, their own lead pastor. Um, I just simply provide oversight for that and help and coaching. Um, but we have, um, five Korean, uh, Korean only locations, um, churches, and we have two English speaking locations. Mm. So there's seven churches and then we're currently incubating one church now, um, that we're hoping will start and launch out next spring. That will be a bilingual church. Mm. Um, all of the churches range in size. Um, our smallest is just a little house church of, you know, uh, you know, maybe, maybe 15 people. So just a little house church style that, you know, it's just really flexible. We call those rowboat churches, actually. Um, just they can move and pivot and move from cafe to house, whatever. So we have one of the, uh, that's the smallest. And then ours um, is about 150 adults, um, 50 kids. Um, and so we were able to do, wow. you know, steward that through the pandemic. So, so anywhere from our church plants are very diverse that way. Um, so anywhere from 15 to about 150. Yeah. Um, and, and typically when we're growing a little bit more than that. Um, we're again, the heart is multiplication. So yeah. we're kind of, we're raising up and sending out, um, that's been the heart. And so, yeah, art I, gatherings a little smaller. intentionally. Yeah, yeah. What, um, but going back a little bit to the culture there, just, yeah. I had, I had something came to my head here, but like a lot of, a lot of their culture is very traditional, very much. And so like, how do you, how is it like, there's gotta be a, pretty radical transformation yeah. uh, in the mindset, um, even their lifestyle. Uh, just, you know, mm. talk to us through that, like uh, the struggles that I guess you face with mm. battling that. Sure. Because um, it's so ingrained, I guess, in their culture. Yep. I would think, I yeah. mean, looking from the outside in. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, just y- you, you not only have to present this gospel, but you have to now walk them through just a new, a new journey. Yep. And so like, it's, it's, I think, I think the tougher part is the discipling and showing and, and and teaching of the, uh, of of all the things that Jesus has, has given us Mm -hmm. and through scripture. And Mm -hmm. so, I mean, talk to us through that, how, how the challenges behind that. Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. So much of Korean culture is rooted in deep history. Mm. You know, um, I, several years back, I remember going to the American History Museum in, uh, in New York City, and you know, this is a history museum to to show American history, and you know, it's a big deal. You're seeing like, you know, Abraham Lincoln's hat or something like this, right? For example, yeah, and you're like, wow, like that's so much history, you know, that's, you know, over a hundred years old, 150 years old. Right. And we're, we're amazed. Like, oh, look at the history. Yeah. You go over there. Um, and, uh, there's a, a very historical city there called Junju. It's about mm, an hour and a half, two hours South of the capital city. 
Um, it's where the king's uh, retreat place was. And so if you visit there, it's, it's full of history. Um, but in that museum, you're looking at documentations there, um, writings that are thousands of years old. They have 4,000-year-old documents there that are written wow. history. And so there is, when you say tradition, you know, I think a lot of times for us here, just so I can try to provide context for everybody who might be tuning in, I think sometimes when we think tradition, you know, we think like um, church tradition that we mm -hmm. sing like hymns or something like this, right? Oh, I go to a traditional church and we, yeah. need, you know, suit, tie in church, you know, we, yeah. we, you know, sing the hymns and that's tradition, the pews, yeah. you know, the whole deal. And yeah. that's tradition. And certainly that's, that's tradition here. Um, and that's difficult to break. Right. It's difficult to come out of that religion. Right. Yeah. Um, and understand, like we were singing about you guys, you know, we were singing about this Sunday, you know, trying to break through that religion to, mm. to teach people that's a relationship. Yeah. Right. That's hard here. Now imagine breaking, you know, 40, you know, 40 times the amount of history mm. that's been ingrained, passed on from generation to generation to generation to generation. This is how we do things. But not only that, ingrained not just the culture is this deep sense of religion uh, which is confucianism and uh, a blend of buddhism and and where there is a right way to to, to live your life um, it's very very hierarchical there and so even the language itself so unique compared to english but um, the language itself um, changes based on who you're speaking to mm. and so um you know, you are my elder, <laughs> even though we're one year apart, you're my elder. And so there is a certain way and a form of language I have to speak to you and me being younger, there's a certain way that you speak to me. Wow. But then when I enter a room and I'm the pastor, even though you might be, let's say you're a part of our gathering, even though you're a year older than me, I'm your pastor. So now I'm in a position of authority. Now you, there's a certain way that you have to wow. speak to me. And so um, and so there's so much tradition, even within the language. And so, wow. um, so that has to be learned and understood before you can even have a general conversation with somebody. And so, yeah, when you, when you speak about tradition, a lot of it really is rooted in their language, right? Words have meaning and significance. And, um, and, and so one of the things that's so important there is understanding um, why people say the things that they do and how to break through some of that, right? But, you know, imagine someone coming here and saying, you know, your English, your English, the way you speak English is wrong. You need to change it. Mm. But that would be offensive almost, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, this is the way that we speak. But um, part of, again, the gospel entering into that space is, is saying, you know, hey, what is cultural and what is biblical? Mm. And so that's some of the, one of the things that, especially for the last you know, six, seven, eight years, one of the things that we've been really confronting people with is always ask the question, what is biblical and what is cultural? And that's helped us a lot. Um, and so in our gathering, we have um, elders who speak informally to the youth, mm. um, which is radical. I can't even begin to, when we could talk, do a whole nother podcast on how radical that is because it's just a no-no, right, in culture. It's a mm. absolutely, it's the, it's, it's, it's a shameful thing actually to do. 
Um, and so, um, but just trying to get people to see that, you know, you can be led by a younger person. I, moving over the eight years ago, I'm 36 years old. I just turned 36 in the spring, you know, moving over there when I was you know, 26, 27, that is extremely young for a pastor. Um, but I was, they were a little bit more gracious with me because I'm American, mm-hmm. but still trying to teach them that, Hey, right. What does Paul say to Timothy? Right. Don't let anybody despise you because of your youth. Yeah. Right. But be an example to people. Yeah. And so trying to teach people again, Hey, this is what the Bible says. This isn't my opinion. The Bible says that your age doesn't really matter in some ways, right? It's your spiritual maturity is much more significant than your physical maturity, mm. right? And so if someone is younger than you, but more spiritually mature than you, then, you know, they can disciple you, yeah. right? But, but before, you know, absolutely not. And so um, in some ways, what we're doing there is this, this, this very old, large house, if you will, has been built. Um, and, and there's a, there's a house of the culture, um, that's of the world, but there's a spiritual house as well. that has been built there, which is the, the house that the church has built the, a form and a brand of Christianity. Mm. And so I think the biggest, biggest challenge to answer your question, sort of wrap this up is we're not only having to deconstruct the, the, the house that's built by the world, but we're also having to deconstruct the house that's been built by the church. Wow because of how much the church tends to imitate culture, right? And we do the same thing here in the yeah. States. So no, no culture is, you know, pure in this, um, or, or Christianity, or no brand of Christianity or, 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 or country that has Christianity is, you know, pure in this. We tend to imitate culture. And so trying to speak to these people and saying, Hey, you know, we have all these bricks that have been built. What does it look like to start removing these bricks, right? Getting down to the foundation and then laying again a really solid foundation, which is just purely centered on the scriptures and the gospel. Mm. And then we can build again. And so I feel like, honestly, Johnny, the, la- the first six years was, um, was only removing bricks. Mm. And so to people looking on the outside, you know, asking, hey, how are things going? How big is the ministry? Like, how many people are accepting the gospel? Um, it was, we're not even in that place. We're in the place of, like, our growth is removing bricks, actually. Wow. Wow. And so now we've laid this foundation. I feel like just through the pandemic, actually, um, we've now started to see, you know, more numerical growth. Because, again, we've laid that really strong foundation, yeah. you know, and just, just hey, we're only here to focus on the gospel. Yeah. Everything we're going to do is about the gospel. So, you know, and, and I have an advantage of saying, you know, I'm an American, right? And so... I'm an American, you're Korean, but this is not going to be an American church. Mm. It's not going to be a, a Korean church, right? This is going to be a gospel-centered church. Yeah. Right? This is going to be a Jesus church, right? It's going to be all about him, not about our cultural. So that's the thing is we, you know, I, I feel like some of my staff meetings or trainings over the last eight years has been, again, a debate about the culture. So what should we do? Well, this works in America, but doesn't work in Korea. Or this works in Korea, but doesn't work in America. A lot of roundtable discussions about that. But what's been so beautiful is being able to say, okay, well, at the end of the day, though, we can lay those things aside because that's ultimately, we're not trying to build a a Korean church or an American church here. We're trying to build a a church that's centered around Christ. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's a kind of a longer That's, answer. When did answer no, to your question? That was great. Question, that but was great. It's it's really. I mean, I, we need to understand that. 
Yeah. You know, yeah. and I, I, for me in my head, I, I, you know, I, I, I see from the outside, look at in how very deep rooted they are. And that takes some work to even, like you said, deconstruct. Sure. Those roots are and deep, right? Yeah. And that hurts yeah. to pull them up. Oh man, <laughs> right? I can so imagine. Hurts for them, hurts for me. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what encouragement would you give someone that is just sensing a call to ministry, but even more just a call to missions? Uh, what would what encouragement would you give them? Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll say one that is going to sound like a joke at first, um, but I mean this sincerely. The first thing I would say is, if you can do anything else, then do it. Mm. Um, and I'm not trying to make that you know it's something you read on a T-shirt or something, but just uh, my experience has been you know now it's been. 12 years um, directly involved with church planting, pastoral ministry, training pastors. Um, if you can do something else, if you're like, oh, I can, you know, I can work in this other job or this career and I'd be happy and content or and I can go that way, um, then, then I would say most likely go do that thing. Is if you're not just completely convinced this is what God is calling me to do, but also I can't do anything else. Mm. Um, that's how you know that you should go because there's going to be so many days, so many nights um, where you struggle and where you doubt and where you say to yourself, what am I doing? What's my purpose? Um, I can't make, I can't make it anymore. I mean, I can tell you, um, for me, during the pandemic, especially on lockdown, I mean, imagine, right? I mean, it was a, a tragedy here in America when when the American church couldn't gather for four or five months in some states, right? Longer in, like, you know, California, so it's, it was longer. You know, imagine two years not being able to gather with God's people. I mean, you're a worship leader. Can you wow. imagine worshiping to an empty room for two years? For me, preaching to a camera, for two years, I, I knew then I was like, well, I'm not a televangelist. I have no <laughs> desire to do that anymore. So I knew God had rooted that out of me. No desire to do that. But there were so many days and nights, um, Johnny, just late nights for me, just wondering, what am I doing? Mm. I can't do this. I'm not, um, this is not what I signed up for. Right. And, and, and my identity, question, my identity, my purpose, um, you know, uh, is this good for my family? Like, it, mm. is this good for me? And and at the end of the day, there were so many times where I was like, this might be the last Sunday. I would get up there and, and preach thinking, wow. this might be it. Um, and any any pastor who's been in, doing pastoral ministry for enough years, they'll yeah. tell you they've had they've at least had those moments or those conversations with their family. Because yeah. we all go through highs and lows. But at the end of those conversations... <laughs> And those feelings was always come back to the thought of, but you're called. Mm. You, you're here because you're called. It's not because it's something that you want to do. It's not something that, you know, was going to earn you like the biggest salary or, or the fame or the fortune. You know, you're, you're here because God called you here. Mm. And so do you trust him enough that he has you where he wants you to be? And in that, I could go away from my circumstance and situation and just look at him. Be like, wow. okay, God, this is really hard. This is really difficult. You know, it's a grind. But I know I'm where I'm supposed to be. 
even though circumstantially and situationally, it's a mess. Yeah. But I'm where you want me to be. And so for the person, especially if you want to go into, into pastoral ministry full time, just just be certain that um, it's it's ex- it's where God wants you to be. Mm. Um, even more than, you know, some some people have a desire. Hey, I want to be a pastor. That's great. Yeah. But make sure God's alongside of you in that. Yeah. And that you have other, and how do you know God's alongside you in that? Well, a couple of different ways. I mean, God can certainly speak directly to you. But I would say talk to the people who know you the best as well, who are mm-hmm. close to you, who are also who also love the Lord and who are sending their lives on the gospel. You know, talk to people and say, hey, do you see this in my life? Mm-hmm. Do you see this as my gift set, right? Um, my, my journey. Do you see this leading me towards, yeah. you know, this career path? Um, and, and then follow the Lord's leading in that. And, and for the missionary, of course, it always just starts with a willingness, yeah. right? The greatest ability is availability. And I heard that, I yeah. remember when I was in university. Um, and so it's, again, that's the Isaiah, right? Um, here I am, send me. Um, what people don't like to talk about Isaiah, about with Isaiah though, um, and it, it doesn't get mentioned enough, is that Isaiah, he goes. God's like, okay, you want to go? All right, he sends you. And you know, after that, what, what God says though to, to Isaiah, we don't talk about this enough. He says, but you're going to preach the gospel to these people and I'm going to close their eyes and close their ears. No one's going to respond. And that's exactly what happens. And so, and so to, to the modern day church planner or pastor, we would look at Isaiah and we would say, he doesn't have a fruitful ministry that he failed. And in the world's eyes, he did. But God in missions, he wasn't calling Isaiah to be fruitful. He was calling Isaiah to be faithful. Are you willing to go no matter what it looks like? Yeah. No matter, because we define success much different than the Lord defines success, mm. right? Much different. And so I would say that's something that I've learned even as a missionary. I remember getting on that plane and thinking, I'm going to go there and I'm going to win South Korea for Jesus to the Lord. Let's this go. is it, right? This yeah. is it. I mean, I'm pumped, right? It's like coming out of the tunnel. I played a lot of sports <laughs> as well. It's like, you know what I mean? Put the music on and let's go do this, right? Yeah. Um, and and God had to rid me of that pride. He had to root that out of me. Um, and, and it's still a process because mm. those tendencies are still there, right? And so I think if you're called, especially to go to the mission field, it's, you know, again, don't define, just understand, first of all, it's all, all it's, he's concerned about is your willingness and your faithfulness. And he'll take care of the rest. And for some, you know, we have examples of this, like Hudson Taylor, right? He's a famous missionary. You know, read his story. He goes and goes and dies on the mission field before there's one convert, right? Like, you know, there's, uh, sorry, not Hudson Taylor. I'm thinking of um, uh, Elliot, Jim Elliot, right? He goes to this tribe. He's killed by this tribe before he even gets the opportunity to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. It was his wife who came in after him. And the tribe couldn't believe that the wife of this man would show up knowing what would happen to her as well. And they received Christ through it. But, but for Jim Elliott, right? It was, again, did he have a fruitful ministry? Well, it depends how you define fruitful, right? Look what happened after him. The fruit came after. And so if you're looking to get into missions, because again, you're in it for the fame or you think that, you know, oh, I'm going to go there and, you know, share, you know, the gospel, all these people are all going to respond. Again, we don't know. Yeah. And that's not up to you and me anyway. It's, it's up to the Lord. And so it's just, we're going there to sow seeds and then God will do whatever he wants to do with those seeds. 
But for me, the biggest, again, the biggest word is just don't focus on fruitfulness. Focus on faithfulness. Mm -hmm. God promises to bring the fruit, right? The fruit of the Spirit is all these characteristics, right? God is more concerned about who we are than what we're doing, actually. Right? He's trying to shape and form us. He's trying to transform us from the inside out. Yeah. He's not as concerned with our actions. He's concerned with our heart, yeah. right? And so for the missionary, um, they'll be changed even more than they change the people. Mm. I promise you. Um, you will be transformed. So if you have that attitude and that posture um, where you're just looking to be, you're willing, um, and you just see it as something as an opportunity to be faithful, then go. Yeah. But make sure, again, just make sure that you're called. Um, and I would say, too, if you're married, um, do not go unless your spouse is called as well. Mm-hmm. Biggest mistake that I can I see, one of the biggest mistakes I could see in ministry um, is, is, a spou- is, is say a husband saying, I'm called, and the wife is unsure, mm-hmm. and, and then they, they still decide to go. You're just setting yourself up for resentment bitterness when time gets hard for her it will by the way um then she's gonna that's coming back to you Mm. why are we here what are we doing we moved away from family we had security we had jobs we had right and now you've brought us here look what we've done yeah as opposed to now we're both called now in those moments again of struggle we can say there's no pointing the fingers and saying hey you brought me here what are we doing here it's both of us looking at each other and saying god brought us to do this yeah we're here together right? right not because of our our will yeah. Right, we're just following the Lord's will. That's so good, man. So good. Um, let's pivot a little bit. Uh, I didn't have this let's in the um, questionnaire we're for scripts. you. We're off, we're off script, script a it. bit. I love it. No, but, it's, I'm but, it, but it's fun. What have you learned to really love out there? Mm. What hobbies? What What have you really taken on mm. uh, that just kind of uh, breaks away a little bit from 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 everything ministry and all that? Like and yeah. anything you've you've enjoyed yeah. out there. Gosh, that's that's good. Um, there's there's a lot, of course. Um, it's a totally different culture, so there's so much. But you said you like sports, so like, is loves, there like is there sports some out there? Is there? Well, a, I mean, soccer is king. There is still, it. Yeah, right? it's okay. king. Um, and so you know, if you don't, if you're not involved in in, in soccer over there, baseball is actually really big there as well. Nice. They have a really good league. Um, I mean, compared to the MLB, no, but um, <laughs> it's it's probably third in the world. Um, Japan would be two, and then Korea is number three. Okay terms of the competitiveness and the skill of that league um so yeah um over there we have a, a a connection with um if you can believe it like the the head uh, of the the um, south korean uh, olympic hockey team wow and so sort of following that a little bit just because there was a relationship with the coach um yeah. and so that was big but that's not like uniquely korean um yeah. i would say if anything it was just man the food um like <laughs> i knew you were gonna bring it know, up in this food. conversation like, <laughs> it's just you know we you know there's so did many you like it already going I prior didn't. i really did no oh, i wow. mean there's a little bit here yeah, and there yeah, right yeah but you get over there man and there's some like there's some stuff over there that <laughs> you just can't believe uh i mean <laughs> there's there's a couple things mm. over there that uh, they just they could become a favorite serve. dish for you Ooh. so there's a a, a soup dish there called duenchan chige um chige means soup Dunchan is a is a fermented bean um it sounds really delicious right yeah. uh, but <laughs> no, fermented beans right yeah. um but it's this uh it's this soup it's got typically it's got really thin uh strips of like beef or pork in it um you know potatoes but it's just this really it's like a home comfort food mm. and so 
Um, I have this little uh, little place I like to go on Monday. Uh, Mondays for lunch. My uh, my hamani, which is grandma. My hamani is there. That's um, awesome. She she cooks me this tuantantige, this uh, soybean fermented soup. Mondays. That's a that's a really good one for me. That's um, awesome. Yeah, there's a couple others um, I, I really yeah. enjoy as well. But um, you know, you over there it's interesting. They would say you know it's not even a meal unless you have rice. So mm. so you know you you go eat a sandwich right you go grab a salad for lunch so like that's not even food right that's a snack um and so, <laughs> so yeah wow. you got to have rice and then of course you know kimchi is the national staple dish it's um it's cabbage um that is um seasoned with like a spicy um like pepper paste and garlic um and all that they actually what they do is um so they season it all and then they put them in clay pots and then in the um around fall winter-ish time they bury them in the ground and then the next year they come back and they pull them up what? and then you know they eat this this food so oh it's their gosh. it's their um way their old ancient way of preserving food mm. right and so um a lot of the food in in korea is very uh, it's more acidic it's more vinegar based think of like pickling yeah um s- similar to that a lot of the food is that way and so typically any meal you have is going to be um, you know, rice, there's going to be some form of kimchi there. Um, a lot of vegetables in Korea. Um, meat is becoming more and more popular. But I mean, even when we were first there, um, the average family, you know, is typically only eating meat, you know, maybe two, maybe three wow. times a week. Um, wow. It's just not as much part of their, their diet just because they didn't have access to it for mm. so, so long. It was a very, very poor nation, particularly before the war. And so even though they're now a very wealthy nation, you know, they've hosted the Olympics, they've hosted World Cups now and everything. So, you know, they're they're now like top 12 in the world in terms of like, you know, um, economy. But even still, right, the older generation still leans into those that cuisine, yeah. right? Meat is still seen as a luxury mm. um, there. And so that was unique, right? Because over here, it's like Every breakfast. Night. Lunch, uh, dinner. Yeah. It's like what? Are, there, if there's no meat, there's no there's no food. Meat is like the rice. It's the rice. That's what it is, right? And so I definitely got a lot healthier over there. That's for sure. Yeah. Um. But yeah, yeah. The rice. I think, um, you know, over there, like, what are some other things? I mean, there's so many things I can say, but um, I think the movie going experience over there mm. is next level. Like, you can't really? believe it. Yeah. So, um, you can go to these every. Like a lot of the theaters there have like a different like niche, I could say it. So like there's a Bose theater, for example. So you sit in and every single seat has noise canceling Bose headphones. Oh my gosh. So you watch there. Um, they have um, over there, they call it 40X uh, movies. So um, you sit in this seat and actually like a Disney ride, like you watch the movie, but it, it lifts you. <laughs> it like sprays water at you. It moves, <laughs> rumbles. So like if you're in like a car chase, like you're... You're That's going insane. back and forth yeah. like, so that you can see. It's kind of um, like our IMAX experience, maybe. I yeah, think similar, similar to yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. down the road from us, we have the we actually have the largest IMAX movie theater in the world there, and wow. so it's like totally immersive. It's um, so the technology over there is next level. Yeah. So in terms of that, like VR and all that stuff, it's really really fun. Yeah. Um, to to do all that. So I'm a huge I'm a huge sports person, huge movie guy. So yeah. those are some of the the things I like to do for fun, but That's otherwise great. 
I think our, ch- our our church members and my friends would say I'm not a very fun person. <laughs> I'm very serious all the time. Yeah, like yeah. I'm always about like yeah business you yeah, know, and yeah church and um just you know. But for me, yeah, sports is the getaway. Yeah. Um, over there, I, I uh, it's hard to find just the land. I play a lot of screen golf. It's called okay. Um, so you actually play golf, but it's you're hitting the ball into a into a screen that is the golf course mm. but when you hit it the ball like there's there, you're surrounded by cameras on all sides even above you and it tracks the rate of the spin everything so it like simulation it or, like, yeah and yeah. you can play anywhere so that's you can like go awesome. oh i'm gonna play in london or whatever like that so i have some friends that like to do that as well that's cool um so that's yeah. cool man yeah. Well, how can we pray for you, man? Um, you know, as a church, as a body, uh, I know you got many challenges. Uh, what can we pray for you? Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate even the the question and the, the willingness to pray. Um, you know, we need we need a lot of prayers, uh, both as a missionary and a pastor. You know, certainly um, need prayers for that. For me personally, um, it's it's always about not getting in front of the Lord, and what He's trying to do. I'm constantly trying to remind myself of that. And unfortunately, not always following that. Mm. Um, you know, I have my plans and and, and, and purposes and, and even things that seem to be right. Um, I want to push those things forward. Hey, we're going to, we have this opportunity to plant this church. Like, let's do it. Of course, God's into, he's about church planting, right? Yeah. But there are sometimes it's like, no, no, this is a time of waiting. This might be a time of resting. This might be a time of sitting on this situation. And so just, you know, going back to the Israelites, you know, as they're coming out of Egypt, they cross the Red Sea, right? And and God promises to to, to be there with them, right? It's like a flame by night, a pillar cloud during the day. Mm-hmm. And his only his only word to them, right, is just just follow me. You know, don't get out in front of me, right? As long as you stay behind me and let me lead, then you'll be you'll be secure. Yeah. Right? You'll survive, right? You might wander for 40 years, right? But as long as you sit behind me and wait and watch, um, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'll protect you, right? Which is the message we, we get in Psalm 23, right? Is, you know, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Why? Because he is the one leading us to green pastures and those still waters. But, you know, as the sheep, right, I always, you know, think to myself, there's a reason that God, more than any other animal, you know, in the Bible calls us sheep, right? Because sheep is a uh, sheep is probably the dumbest animal in the, in the animal kingdom, right? Always drifting, going their own way, you know, uh, no way to, a sheep has no ability to defend itself. It's one of the only an- animals in the world, no ability to defend itself. Um, always got its head down, unaware, that's us, right? And that is me. Um, and especially being a shepherd, uh, called to be a shepherd, I can sometimes forget that I ultimately have a higher shepherd. Mm. I have the shepherd, and so even I have to make sure that I'm keeping my head up. Yeah. I'm I'm not just putting my head down and going the way that I want to go and doing what I want to do. And so certainly when it comes to praying, just saying, hey, for, for, for James, for Freedom Village, um, for the churches that we planted, you know, Lord, please, please um, keep them mindful um, to not get out in front of you and what you're mm-hmm. doing. Just help them to sit in that place where, where they're watching you. Um, where they're looking at you, right? You're the author and perfecter of their faith. Like, and so keep your keep their eyes fixed on you and nothing else. Not their circumstances, not their situation, right? Not 
not the growth of their ministry, mm-hmm. nothing like that, right? But just just continue to keep their their eyes fixed on you because again, that's that safe, that's that secure place. That's actually the place of of genuine prosperity, yeah. Yeah. right? And I mean by by prosperity, I don't mean you know again like the fame and the fortune. I just mean it's that place of ultimate joy, mm-hmm. ultimate peace because you're you're exactly where he wants you to be when you're behind him and you're following him. So. Yeah. Yeah, please pray for that. That's good, man. Yeah, we definitely will, man. And where can people find you, James, if they want to connect with you and uh, just kind of get to know more of you or help you guys out in in any way? How can they connect with with you? Sure. Yeah, so um, from on a church level, um, you can go to our website. It's freedomvillage.church. Okay. If they go there, um, there's a, a, a connect page there. Um, if they just go on there, they can follow another connect cards um, that we have. It's a digital connect card. We call it easy to find on our website. It's right on the front of the website, pretty much on our welcome page. Um, if, if a card comes in, they can just write a message to me directly there. That'll come across my table. Um, if they want to connect with me on just directly personally, they can find me on Facebook. Um, that's pretty easy to do. Um, James Lynch. There's not a whole lot of James Lynch's that live in Seoul, South Korea. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so find the yeah. guy, find the guy who says uh, James Lynch, it. who says Seoul, South Korea. And you're, you're probably close. There might yeah. be two of us. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think so. I'm yeah. probably the only one. Um, awesome. so you can find me there. Or, um, if you've moved away from Facebook, um, and you're not on like the Instagram world, you know, you can find me there. It's James Lynch. Uh, L-Y-N-C-H, and then the number three, the number seven, James Lynch 37. You can connect with me on Instagram. DM me. I'll hit you back. Yeah, that's great, man. That's awesome. Dude, it's been a treat having you. Uh, Thank you so much for sharing so much wisdom and just really showing us, you know, the the back end of things, so to say. You know, um, it's, it's great to gain knowledge and wisdom on those areas and just gain some understanding on just living and 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 the, the the challenges of ministry in those cultures i think that was that was so valuable today man to to really feed off of that from you um but yeah let's pray and then we'll close out and uh yeah thank you again bro let's do it. Yeah, yeah appreciate you guys all you're doing your ministry it's a blessing to me yes yes so uh lord thank you today thank you for your blessing uh over this time together thank you for james thank you for uh just his passion Thank you for his heart. Thank you, Father God. I pray that every word that he has spoken here today uh, that trans- transfers, Father, over to uh, these social sites, that someone's listening, someone is in being encouraged, someone is uh, being made aware uh, of this, Lord, and, and it provides insight and wisdom and knowledge and understanding, God. I pray that if you're tugging on someone's heart today, Father God, for ministry, for missions, whatever it may be, my God, I'm asking you, Lord God, to continue to solidify that call, to, to continue, Father, to pave a way uh, for them to be, uh, uh, find, for, to, to pave a way to that call, Father God, as you did with James. I pray that this, everything that was said today can resonate deeply into the hearts of those that are listening here today with us and continue to bless James's ministry. What you're doing in his life, it's evident, Father, that your hand is over them, uh, him and his wife and his, and, and his uh, son. I pray, Father God, that you continue to bring favor and grace and mercy, wisdom, Father God, like no other um, in these times, Lord, that they're navigating through. I pray, Father God, that you just continue to uh, let him follow your lead and guidance through every season that they're in, my God. I pray that he just uh, really 
resets and refreshes himself here, Father God, in this time away. And that, Father God, he gets back there and gets back recharged, refocused, recentered, uh, and just ready, Father God, for what you have in store for Freedom Village. We pray for Freedom Village. We ask you, Father God, just to continue to bless uh, them uh, and continue, Lord, to do what only you can do in their faith, in their walk, in their in their journey, my God, uh, through this. God, we thank you. All the glory and the honor be to you, Father God, and we, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us. If you've been with us, appreciate you guys just tuning in. Once again, you can follow us on Thursday Talk Podcast on Instagram and on Spotify, iTunes. We'll have this up sh- soon. And uh, and again, be ready for our next time together. Uh, we will go live through Genesis Church Orlando via YouTube and Facebook for our next next conversations and talk. So thank you. We hope that you guys were blessed today. Have an amazing rest of the day and weekend. Grace and peace. Thank you for tuning in today. Don't forget to subscribe and follow Thursday Talk Podcast on Spotify or iTunes to get notifications for the next episode. Also follow us on Instagram at Thursday Talk Podcast. See you next time on Thursday Talk.